Welcome back to the Cock and Ball Pod, where we look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Fen, your spring chicken still in a football guiding you through to sunnier days. The spring is sprung, the grass is riz. I wonder where my Ashley is. Oh, he's here. Hi, Ashley. <laughs> Good evening, Tom. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Mark Twain once said, in the spring, I have counted 136 different kinds of weather inside 24 hours, which is also the amount of algorithms Jules spots in a game of football. It's Jules. <laughs> Good evening, mate. How are we? Very well, thank you. Hang on, I've answered that. Um, Jim can't make it tonight, unfortunately. He's doing lots of ju- journalisms. Pretty sure that's the right word. He can correct me later. Uh, but anyway, we must crack on because it's the arrival. I mean, how long have we had him? <laughs> like a seven-month build-up. Um, mm. But to be able to receive that ball and, you know, obviously with your stride, it's sort of it's sort of coming onto your right foot. But So he's he's got to hit it earlier with his stronger left foot. To hit it that well, first time, to generate that pace of the ball and that accuracy, that shows nothing but confidence. And that was what was lacking from Bale before. And he was, I think his injuries had an effect on him. He It's like he had something in the back of his mind whether it was a calf strain, whether it was, you know, when is he going to get a chance to play the rest of his back nine? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. But he's, he's released those shackles, isn't he? And it, like, that's yeah. how he's hitting top bins, because he's, he's free. Yeah, we'll come back to the Burnley game, but that's pretty much what Jose said after, after the game, that he's in his best form because he's in his best physical shape. A player that I think is really lacking confidence at the moment and someone I really feel sorry for is Bergwijn. He looks absolutely shot of confidence. Um, he's like trying to watch a mate chat up someone at a bar and it's just not going well. You <laughs> <laughs> just want to put his, your arm around him. Yeah, and you want to tap him on the shoulder, like, come on, pal, let's, uh, do you want to go for a, a cigarette or something? <laughs> he's like, oh, no, no, I'm good. He's like, no, no, do you want to go for a cigarette? <laughs> nudge, nudge. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm good. All right, right, fuck you. <laughs> Make your own losses. Um, yeah, it's a little bit worrying for... Old Stevie B. He didn't even make the match day squad uh, against Burnley, which you know I'd, I'd missed actually on first reading of the team sheet and the bench. So, it, you know, admittedly at the moment everyone is pretty much fit apart from Lachelso, who's not injured. He's just not fit. So there's always going to be people who get left out. But he he's supposed to be that that electric n- next generation of hugely pacey wingers, and he could be. Uh, yeah, to Sans throne if he wanted to. Uh, you know, he's got the raw attributes. No one's quite sure where his ceiling is, but it is concerning that it's completely shot of confidence. And when the opportunity comes his way, he doesn't quite seem to be taking it. Ultimately, the only way to solve that is by delivering on the pitch. The only thing that really delivers that confidence is is to perform, and to do that, he's got to probably go back to basics a little bit, particularly in training, and just make sure he's doing the right things. Um, I still think his underlying play is positive. I, I just think, as you say, he's he just looks unconfident. And you look, you think of the amount of sort of near misses he's had this year, like the the chances against Liverpool. Like if he if he had had a few of those roll his way and he was on six or seven goals for the year, I feel like he would be in a completely different place. Um, mm-hmm. But when they mount up and mount up, then that starts to play on play on his mind. But I still think he's a very good player. I still think he'll have a bright future at Spurs in the long run. Um, but I also think, you know, Fen, you mentioned the matchday squad. Delhi was on the bench and Lamella was on the bench. So mm. he can't have, you know, he, he can't put everyone there. And at the moment, you would say that Lamella and Delhi probably deserve to keep him, to, to have him staying back in London. Uh, speaking of 
confidence. I wanted to have a chat about Vinicius as well. He's he's sort of a bit of an enigma to me because <laughs> he, he likes that he makes really good runs and really does it really regularly, getting in behind the defence. And if you know what I mean, he sort of plays more like he's five for eight than six for three. He's not. Mm. I just think I want him to be stronger. I want his hold up play to be a lot better. But that's that's something that I think is holding Jose back from playing him. I, I, I feel that's a bit harsh on him personally. I love the fact that even though he's a big man, he runs in behind. I think it's mm. I think it's a bit kind of if you, if you end up being just a target man striker and you focus too much on back to goal play and you never get goals, then you're going to get criticised for that. And I think he's, uh, he's he's been brilliant this year for us. I think he's been actually really unlucky not to get more minutes because Kane, Kane is not... Vinicius is not the same player. This is one thing which stands out to me now. When, how often do you see Kane genuinely like running off the last shoulder and being like mm. pure final third? Yeah, and I think that's the key to what could be a successful season for us. Is obviously, we're so reliant on Son of Kane. Let's not ignore that, but we need to be able to protect them and that means we need to be able to rotate them at the right time and it's great that Vinicius will get 90 minutes against Wolfsberger in a tie we won 8-1 on aggregate and he might get opportunities against uh, Dynamo which we'll talk about but take I know we'll come on to the Burnley game but take that for instance obviously we didn't see Vinicius he never came on Kane got the 90 minutes and then we've got to play Fulham on Thursday and Palace on Sunday another free game week as they like to call them <laughs> well, he's not going to get a break because you know Kane is going to start probably each of those games. Slightly off topic, but I think a big issue is the fact that we don't have five subs like most of the European leagues do. Especially, mm. you can see the stats speak for themselves, the amount of extra injuries that every club is having to face with at the moment and not having those extra changes to be able to protect your players is just ridiculous. But that said, Vinicius did get his two goals against uh, Wolfsburger. Both of them were very well taken. That first one hit that deep cross from Dele Alli, which is normally the sort of cross he loves to get on the end of. Uh, and it's great that he's also to, able to put those sort of balls in. Uh, and it'll be great for us going forward if he continues doing that. Vinicius, again, very calm to do that from a couple of yards away. But then his goal, the goal he nicked in inverted commas off uh, Dane Scarlett. Um, it was a fantastic finish. It, it really, like, quick snap opportunity. Right, I'm over that. Bang, it's gone. But I said, we had three kids come on. We had Dane Scarlett, Niall John and Marcel Lavinia. Three kids given a great opportunity, given at least 10 minutes in the Europa League. Uh, Ash, was there anything in particular that shone out for you there? Yeah, Dane, so we know what Dane's going to bring by now. He's had, a, whenever he's come on, he's brought that intensity and that, um, that desire. He's got a lovely bit of pace. But it's his intelligence that really... I think it's really given everybody a lot of hope for him for the future. Just their instinct to get onto the defender for Vinicius's goal was was sublime. Uh, Niall John looked good and comfortable. He's obviously a young lad, mm. and it's not difficult to look good and comfortable when you're replacing Sissoko, to be fair. Um, <laughs> Lavinia had a few shaky moments because he slipped early on, and I think that sort of knocked his confidence. But... <laughs> yeah, it's first touch, you'll remember that. Yeah. It was great to see these guys come on and get their minutes, but it was also great because we're going to need people like Ollie Skip to come in and challenge for the squad because we're not going to be able to go out and drop £30 million on players as often in the next mm. few years with everything going on financially. So no, are we going to get £30 million back for Suzuka? No, and, and same for, like, are we going to get... You look at what's happened with Arsenal recently, getting rid of six players, all of which were... They just terminated contracts, basically. We might have to recognise, like, we're not going to get much money for 
your Davies's, your Doherty's, your Suzoko's, like your Mora's. And we're going to have to look at our youth system and be like, who are the shining stars to come in and to come in and fill these spots? I think Jose's mentioned it. That's the only concerning thing of our youth at the moment is that other than Skip and maybe Parrot, who still doesn't seem maybe quite there yet, our better talent are sort of 16, 17 years old. So we've got, we've still got a couple of years where we need to bridge that gap. So mm. um, hopefully, you know, a bit of smart investment, maybe our squad players stepping up and, and playing a little bit better. It was good signs and I like Jose using the youth. Wink started the game alongside Suzuko in midfield. I thought he looked a lot better, Ash. Yeah, he actually passed forward. Can you believe it? No. <laughs> <laughs> and he played well. I think the problem we've had with Winks, some of it isn't his fault. Jose Mourinho has tried to mould him into Hoybert's understudy, where really he should be Ndombele's understudy, as in that ball part, that ball playing midfielder who's going to try and progress into the attack. So I think that's where his next step in terms of his progression as a centre mid should be as an understudy, as a homegrown understudy to Ndombele, well, he could do a job. The only thing I would say to that, Ash, is that he's 25. <laughs> I don't think he's a... When we talk about his progression, Harry Winks is the player he's going to be, right? With the, like, the reality is he's at, he's at that level. He's not going to jump massively forward in his game. I mean, he's, look, he's perfectly good and he had a decent game. I think he'll be a useful squad player for us and that's fine. Um, yeah. It was nice to see him have a better game, but I think he's... I can't see him regularly challenging for Ndombele and, and Hoisberg, but we've played, I think, the most games of any team in Europe this year. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 not a bad thing to have a homegrown player who's an internationally capped centre mid and, and is pretty rounded and can do a job. When I say we talk about our midfielders maybe not necessarily being good enough in terms of strength and depth, but if you're talking Winks or Sissoko, we get rid of one of them, then it's Sissoko every day of the week, isn't it? Well, partly for the homegrown thing as well. That's going to be a big problem for us going forward. We're at the limit as it is. Uh, a lot of our recruitment going forward will have to seriously consider that, particularly in the European competition, because the likes of Dyer, Davies, even Bale, they're, they're not technically homegrown because Wales is a different country uh, count. in the eyes of Europe. Yeah, I mean... Well, because he's been at Southampton since he was like, what, 17 or something silly, so he counts, but Doherty doesn't because he was in Ireland for too long it's a ridiculous rule yeah and Dyer doesn't because he was in Portugal for too long yeah, it, yeah. Eric Dyer's already skating on some dodgy ice in his Scotland <laughs> career and what he yes. doesn't need is for everyone to realise that actually he counts against the homegrown quota <laughs> when he counts against the team considering that, I mean, he got away with one didn't he in, in the Wolfsburger game there was, there was yes. one challenge in particular where a Wolfsburger player was through and I think thank god that I'd not I'm not My convinced God. it was VAR. I don't think there was. No. Um, do you know if there was VAR? I think there <laughs> the was. It was talked about in the commentary, but they never really, because it's a different broadcast or whatever, I don't think they had mm-hmm. access to it in the same way they do uh, on in the Premier League games. But yeah, like you said, they had the striker that was basically from goal and, uh, on goal and Dyer just comes in and just leans into his back totally unnecessarily. And... You know, you've seen them given, you've seen them not given, but the thing that pissed me off is just, why would you put yourself in that position? It's just, it was so, so silly. He yeah, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a tool, isn't he? Not a sharp a one. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately with Dyer, in terms of his raw physical ability, it shouldn't be a problem. In terms of his raw technicals, I, I think he's certainly, like, 
capable technically like he's not you know he's not a bad footballer which just makes you question how awful his decision making is <laughs> it's like when you have with your mate and one of them just constantly trying to outmatch her everyone so he just starts like headbutting his coat his beer can and just doing <laughs> like that or yeah, but then he, he cuts his stuff. face up and there's claret everywhere and he's got scars for life. <laughs> and then you go out with him the next week and he'll do it again. And he's going to learn. That, that's my issue. Well, and again, he's, he's not. It's the crux. He's another one who's 26 now. Again, Eric, Eric Dyer is the player he will be in the same way Harry Winks is. So well, if he's not right... He's a rotation option for a mid-table team, which is what we are at the moment. <laughs> Maybe well, yeah, on that basis, I'll keep him. He is like a sledgehammer in some ways, but he is also like a sledgehammer with a broken handle. He's still got <laughs> no absolute use at all. So he's a rotation option for a mid-table team, which is what we are at the moment. <laughs> Maybe well, yeah, on that basis, I'll keep him. He looks a lot to me like Southampton's next centre-back. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, the uh, Europa League draw's been made. We've got Dynamo Zagreb. Uh, in the last 16, it's not a cup draw unless Spurs draw one of the weakest teams left in the competition. Um, surely, Jules, we've got, we've got to have a bit of um, buoyancy about it. I said in the, the last part, I think, uh, there's still a lot of games to go. I'm, I'm not totally convinced we, we've got the legs to go all the way, but these sorts of draws certainly help. Massively. Um, they're one of the weakest teams in the competition. We should absolutely, you know, feel confident and go out with kind of strong ambition to score you know, from in both legs from the first minute and not, you know, we don't need to play defensive or sort of tactical, like two leg football where you're like, oh, should we press or not at this stage? We're by far the better team. Um, I think as well, the interesting thing for me is there's a few of the teams, the strongest teams have all drawn each other. So United mm. have drawn Milan. Um, and the other key one for me is Roma drawing Shakhtar, who are both, both good sides. So, Already, you're going to lose two of those four, right? If we can get through, the quarterfinals is suddenly looking like you're, it's kind of getting tantalising. Meanwhile, Arsenal have got Olympiacos, which is an absolute banana skin. Mm. Like, like they Especially are nutters. Last year. That they are nutters. Like I don't know what it is that they <laughs> that they bring, but you just never know with Olympiacos what you're going to get. So who knows? We should be really confident. I think this is the moment when Jose needs to prioritise the Europa League, and that's got to be the first choice of Evan, um, rather than the league, which I know is a big call, but I, I think we're at that stage. Yeah, it's strange having played the amount of games we have done in the Europa League and still only be in the last 16. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, but, but we're at that stage now, right, where if we, you know, once you're into the quarterfinals or something, then, you know, you really are in, in the mix. Yeah. And I think you have to look at the league and say, we're not going to get Champions League it's, it's highly unlikely right we get Champions League now from the league finish um, even if we go on a really good run of games so Europa League given it's knockout given Mourinho loves a two-legged tie he's very good at managing those awkward situations like I think this is the moment where you know we kind of go back to our roots a bit and go right we're a cup team lads let's let's go out and let's give it our best in the Europa League and build build some momentum there well, there's links with Zagreb, haven't we? Having had both Chorluka and Modric join us from the team, so um, if they could, if they have, okay. if they have another Luca and they wouldn't mind just you know shif- shuffling him along, we could sneak <laughs> we could sneak him back in one of the bags on the flight because we could really do with him right now. <laughs> if you could well, reincarnate in a hotel for 14 days, so yeah. maybe I don't, not. 
care if it's 14 months, mate. Like, to get another Luca back, like, <laughs> I mean, fucking hell, can you imagine what he'd cost nowadays if a player like that was coming through? That's we, true. I think 16 million back then and he was a complete unknown. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be like 40 million. It's just the inflation in the market is nuts. I think the last time we played Dynamo Zagreb, we beat him 4-0. I think it was a Darren Bent hat-trick in about 2008-9. So, if recent history, in inverted commas, is anything to go by, then uh, we'll be full of hope. Even Tom Huddleston scored a nut goal, uh, which, which says a lot, but it was like, what, 11 years ago? So, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, something to look forward to. Um, but something to potentially look forward to at the weekend in the big clash against uh, Burnley. I'm never quite sure with Spurs. It's always fantastic to score so early on in the game, Ash. But when we do, uh, it fills me with uh, existential dread. Yeah, I wasn't comfortable until we scored the fourth, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, we talk a lot about Dr. Tottenham. But I think the same can be applied to Burnley, can't it? Because they, uh, they, they did City a favour when City were going on that slightly less than spectacular run at the start of the season and then spanked Burnley like 5-0. So... Thank you, Mr. Dyche. Um, <laughs> well, next year for a packet of crisps and, and a pint, that'd be fantastic as well. Because um, even though we, you know, we, we banked four past him, he, he he couldn't do anything about any of the goals. But yeah, like you said, I wasn't comfortable at all until we scored the full. But Spurs, Spurs looked very comfortable. But an early goal from Bale, Jules. I mean, we've just been talking about Bale's form and his confidence from that Wolfsburg game. Uh, you know, has he really carried that? into his Premier League form now? Is he one of the first names on the team sheet? I think he is. And I think, Ash, you asked earlier, you know, is this the is this the moment he kind of stamped his authority and, like, you know, he's definitely, he's back. Mm. I don't think it, he's ever going to be back in the way that he, he once was. But this was him looking for me at, at the sharpest that we can expect to see him moving forward. He wasn't looking for me. He moved straight past me. <laughs> straight past Charlie Taylor and all. Thank Mate, you. But he looked, you know, he looked, he looked progressive. His decision making was good. You know, he got the two goals and the second one. What was an absolute? That was a beauty in off the post. But that first one, just like it's a sharp bit of anticipation. He's calm in front of goal. Um, just the momentum we need. And you know, we've all had blue balls thanks to that man in the in the footballing <laughs> sense um, for the last seven months. But my God, it's it feels good to it feels I feel lighter walking away. Um, in a footballing sense let me stress Um, you said there that we're not going to have the whole Bale back and I think what we saw today was the new Bale in terms of his cutting edge and how clinical he is in the final third picking up the passes um, that that pass to Kane was just unreal we'll come Mm. back to that for Kane's goal but just little things like that he's he breezed past the defender once or twice, but she, to be fair, was Charlie Taylor. So I think I. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, I think it's the, it's the new bail. We're never going to see what he, what he did before. Um, but on, on Fen, you say about him carrying his momentum into, into the game from Europe. I think that's five games in a row uh, after today where he's got a goal or an assist. So this is probably the first time that he's had that regular sense of playing and getting a return in that kind of rhythm and that the minutes he's getting aren't in themselves an achievement. The achievement is what's the end product that goes with it. Yeah, and I think there's a slight asterisk because they've not all been against the best opposition, but to some extent, well, one, I don't care because Spurs are scoring goals, and two, if Bale can use that as a springboard to suddenly gain a lot of confidence, 
It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, let's be honest, Wolfsburg were the lowest ranked team in the Europa League. Give him some sort of credit for the, the style that they played, but it was naive. And for a town about the size of Hartford, uh, <laughs> it's an absolute shock that they're in the competition at all. The same can be said to Burnley. You know, they are a town team. Burnley is not a big place. They punched above their weight for years, so they deserve credit for that. But I think their, their approach in general was quite naive and Charlie Taylor was quite naive in the way he was not getting anywhere near Gareth Bale. You do not allow a man with that sort of calibre and that history that much room to then suddenly strike a ball off the inside of the post. That's right. And Matt Reed asks Tom, do you think after Bale's performances in both those two games, he deserves more consistent starts, particularly in the Prem? Yeah, definitely. If he can, if he can stay fit enough, obviously he didn't last 90 minutes against Burnley. But I think that that is a managed approach. I think that was quite pre-planned. And if we could continue to build this, depending on his fitness, obviously we don't know, he could potentially not start against Fulham because that game might come too soon for him. But he might still come on as a substitute, get 15 to 30 minutes and then start the next game against Palace. So it will have to be a managed approach. So he might not start every game week in, week out. But if we can build up his fitness and keep his confidence high, seen no reason why we should drop him. Yeah, well, it was so important for us because he's, he took a lot of the burden on creativity and breaking the press of Ndombele because at the moment it seems to be um, an expectation that he does it all. Uh, speaking of which, there was a post-game interview a while back from Jose where he said that he wasn't telling the players to sit back. I don't know if you guys remember. Mm. And at the time, I think we were all thinking, well, what are you telling them then? Because we can't see anything other than players sitting back. There was no plan in terms of defence and attack and... I'm glad to see that that seems to have changed over the last couple of games, bearing in mind it is Burnley and Wolfsburger. But what I noticed in particular was um, was that we, we seemed to be setting traps in the way that we were we were pressing. So we'd have two or three players go towards the ball and they were backed up by another two or three players cutting off the passing avenues rather than just sort of standing and watching their man run past them. And I think that was the biggest change for us, where we, um, where we really got at team, but also supported each other in doing so. I think... It was a really like balanced spread across the pitch. That's how I felt watching it. Like we had threats through the middle, out on each flank. The fullbacks pushed on really well, which meant that we often had overloads in those areas. And I think to an extent, four-two-three-one is like the most commonly used football tactic over the last like decade. It's quite bog standard now. And in a way, you're kind of it's a bit of a comfort blanket. I just think having Guys, so the left winger was right footed, the right winger was left footed. They come in, the fullbacks bomb on, the centre mids held the shape. Kane and Mora were a good combination. Like, I would name an unchanged 11 for Fulham. I would just say, keep things consistent, give those same 11 guys, let them build a bit of a relationship because they've been so fragmented this year. And Fulham's on Thursday, we've got enough time. Yeah, the one change I would make was. Lucas, Lucas Mora for Delhi. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the whole goal, the whole uh, thing has already become a gif of, of him trying to celebrate with Son and Gareth Bale after his first goal. When mm. it, like the, the whales and the career signs that he's come in holding an L. Which uh, <laughs> made me laugh. I mean, even before that, I wrote down that he, he looks like he's a he's a kid that's won a competition to play with Kane, Bale and Son. Just <laughs> But having that sort of chaos factor is, is great. I just don't think it's a way to build an attack moving forward. I'd love to see him coming off the bench to affect games. I think that's, that's far more effective. But he keeps scoring goals, so mm-hmm. can, yeah. can you drop him whenever you, you, 
he's getting his chances and he's taking them. I mean, he had odd chances in that game as well, which he, he didn't take when he just decided to just twat it at Pope's chest <laughs> as opposed to any sort of corner of the goal. But if he's going to keep doing that, when do you drop him? A single goal doesn't make a performance for me. He just doesn't add enough the whole way through. That's why I'd like to see uh, Delhi come in and uh, Lucas come on from the bench when, if and when we need him. Yeah, we saw um, Shag, as we've taken to call in all the podcasts, <laughs> on Harry, Ali, Gareth. Yeah, catchy. Um, <laughs> hashtag free Shag. But yeah, we did see him for best part of, what, eight minutes? So naturally, <laughs> like all good Shags, it ended far too soon. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a glimmer of hope. And I, I, like you say, I, I do think Delhi will come in long term for Lucas in that position. Even when Delhy come on, he still looked bright he still looked full of ideas he had that beautiful one two he had with Kane mm. uh, to really move the ball at the pitch on a breakaway and I think it was Son who had a shot saved in the end so he's he's definitely you know Wolfsberger wasn't a fluke Fred you were talking about you know Delhi and Moore and what they bring and Moore is bringing the goals at the moment but as you say Delhi had those lovely those lovely touches and that little bit of play I was thinking that if Delhi is like the smooth operator enjoyable like quite slow like I don't know would he be a whiskey in the world of drinks and more because he's so random you don't know what you're going to get is he not like you know when you play Ring of Fire and you're all pouring booze into that middle <laughs> glass and you've got no idea how this glass yeah. can make your night or ruin your night I feel like that would be those two as drinks right like Delhi is either a whiskey or he's like a Malibu and Coke mm-hmm. what would Kane be and what would Son be in the world of drinks to you Figured out that Moira could also be that you know that big they fill a big bit of Tupperware with punch. And I mean a big old box and you're never quite sure. Like, I know a lot of pineapple juice has gone in there, but everything else, I'm not so sure. Kane, I don't know. He's he's, he's slow. He's very, yeah, he's slow. slow. He's, he's slow, but it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna finish well and it's gonna be the purest, the most high levels of quality that you can get in alcohol. Um, it'd be like an absolutely fine vodka. You know, the sort of vodkas that are so smooth you can drink them over ice. Yeah. yeah. Because they don't take your eyes off. And he's got that quality to do that. Son, Son's a bit more fun, isn't he? He's going to be something wacky. Like, I think he'd be uh, a VK. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think he'd be something like, like sugary sweet. <laughs> he'd be... Yeah, he'd... maybe. I think he'd be like one of those... Um, a particular bar in Clapham, wasn't there? We used to get those zombie cocktails. Oh my and god! And then they 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 pour um, icing sugar on them, and then set yeah. the sugar on fire, and you'd be like, "Oh wow, that's great!" And then <laughs> you haven't got any eyebrows, but you've got a very lovely fruit cocktail to enjoy afterwards. And I don't know, Son's coming back. He looked better against Burnley, didn't he? I thought but, uh, he looked a bit more like his old self because he had a week off essentially. Well, he looked, and maybe Ash, this comes to your point about the tactics, which you mentioned, but he Son looked today more like a winger and less like a sort of a forward. Like he was actually hugging the touchline. He, you know, had that cross for Bale's first goal. He was definitely playing more, more as an orthodox winger, and I think it suits him because he's got such good like options with both feet. He can go up the line and deliver, and he can cut in. I thought, yeah, he was he was better today for perhaps not feeling the pressure to be our main running goal threat, which he he has been under for a lot of the season. Well, that's it. But I think up to this point, we've been relying on Kane and Son getting into the box and scoring the goals. But having Gareth do that on the other side, 
has really allowed Son to start wide and come inside, which is, like you said, that's where he's most dangerous. The bounce of the team seemed better in this 4-2-3-1. Um, it was noticeable, I thought, in the first half especially, how much we were spreading the play either side. Um, and having that that width of the two guys holding wide, it then also makes it harder to pick up Kane because players have to go out there to to cover those spots and then more spots open, more space opens up in the middle. Um, so hopefully for me, I'd like to see same formation but same eleven, um, and that would be that would be how I'd go into Fulham. Yeah, I mean we had a fantastic use of space. I thought, uh, and that's for me what it comes down to: the the, the people who use space best generally win football games and it was a much more intelligent performance I know Burnley ain't all out at the moment they've got a lot of injuries you know you're going to get a pretty standard 4-4-2 when you play them when you play two banks of four like that there's going to be space in between the lines and we saw that and they were quite narrow and there was space on the flanks we saw that and we won the game 4-0 as a result so maybe against a tougher opposition like Fulham who don't play with such a, a rigid formation they play with a lot more uh, aggression uh, and a lot more composure when they build up their play. So will it work the same? I mean, I hope so. If we can react to the space on the pitch, then absolutely. What do you think about Fulham, Ash? Yeah, I'm expecting to see a very different performance to the 1-1 earlier on in the season. We look like we've got the ball by the horns now and we're really going to start driving forward. And Jose's finally figured out that our best form of defence is attack because our defence isn't great. So hopefully <laughs> we'll start with the same intensity from the start. Um, like you said, Bale may or may not start. I don't think that'll be anything about his performances. I think that'll be about managing his his legs and making sure he stays fit. What you said about our best defence being our attack was uh, a point also pointed out to us on Twitter by uh, our own brand. Um he also made a point about Sanchez as well. A weird one for Sanchez is that he actually had a good game against Burnley. Brilliant. Uh, I think he, he's, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, he's got a slight asterisk of it was only Burnley, but, you know, it's a great way of building confidence. It's another clean sheet on the books. And I think, you know, considering he, did, he played the 90 minutes compared to Bale, who played about an hour, he, he had a shout for money in a match for me. But it, 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 there's a bigger question here about what is going to be our centre-back partnership going forward. And there's a couple of others on Twitter who made a comment about that as well. As at Rory for Spurs. He says Sanchez does well when he's got Toby next to him. Dyer does well with Toby next to him. But Sanchez and Dyer together is awful, which was followed up by uh, <laughs> at N17 underscore OAP. Uh, Dyer shouldn't be anywhere near that defence. Um, <laughs> which is <laughs> brutally honest, but you know, probably not that far away from the truth is that... You know, we've got to bear in mind that Sanchez, he's, still, he's been around a while, but he's still only 24. And he's got the right attributes and he's got the right mentality, but only if he's got the confidence to go with it. When he hasn't got the confidence, he starts to bring mistakes into his game. But I think with Toby next to him, as that sort of calming influence, is this not our centre-back partnership for our yeah. best 11 going forward? That whole back four is definitely our best back four going forward with Reggie and Aurier on either side as well, providing the mm. balance in attack and having a pace to get back and defend and having Sanchez being quick enough as a centre-back to also cover cover there. I think with Sanchez, he's, like you mentioned there about his attributes and having fantastic attributes, and the reason why his performance against Burnley was so good is because he was actually playing to his strengths, whereas we've seen him before 
just get it tugged into battles when he didn't need to or sort of jump for headers when it's best to to wait whereas actually he was far more intelligent in the way he approached the game when you have Sanchez in the back line you are able to play higher up the pitch and set your your own your own kind of line higher up because you know you've got that covering pace whereas when you have Dyer and Toby next to each other um neither of whom are, are exactly quick um you do end up dropping back and that's how we end up playing like a low block system is because you're terrified of that ball over the top so Sanchez not only yes he's going to get twisted inside out by Ilkay Gundogan occasionally but he is maybe in reality the platform to allow us to press higher to allow us to be a bit more cavalier and in that respect it's not just about how he performs versus Dyer in a man-to-man comparison but he allows the team to play higher up yeah he's got the pace to recover in it absolutely and that is crucial because it between his pace and Lloris being a fast goalie off his line, a good sweeper keeper, that that means that actually it's not the end of the world if Toby, mm. you know, isn't so quick. And on on your point, Fen, <laughs> Toby going well with either, I think that's the mark of quite often who your best player is in one <laughs> of those zones. Because you know how like Arsenal fans had like Sabas and Xhaka for ages, and they were like both a bit shit, but in different ways, <laughs> and. <laughs> Then they got party, and whoever plays with party looks good. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, it's not because they're different players, it's because party is a really good all rounder who lifts up whoever's mm-hmm. in his whoever's in his area. And Toby for me is the same guy, like whoever plays with him is going to look better. But, and what I think we do well is, as well is when the fullbacks do get up the pits, Hoybier and Ndombele are very good at slotting into the back four and recovering, mm-hmm. and that's something Joe says historically been incredibly good at is the transitions and there was quite a few times against Burnley where he was, he was actually coming out of his dugout and going around like there's been too many chances here where the transitions have happened and Burnley have been pushing up the pitch and we haven't slotted back into the formation and if that's something that we can continue to do then surely we, we see a few more clean sheets as the season goes on yeah well what do you think Fenn about Fulham then what's your what's your gut instinct say uh, despite our buoyant form of uh, essentially eight little aggregate score this week, uh, it's still it's still it's still dread. It's always dread. Any Spurs <laughs> fixture brings that. Um, they're a good team, but they've looked a bit looked a bit flat against Palace from what I've heard. Uh, but they do create a lot of chances, and they'll be up for it because they're in a relegation scrap. They definitely need to win. They've missed an opportunity uh, against Palace this weekend, like I've said. And they'll definitely think, based on our performance in the other fixture, that there's an opportunity to be had. And that might also play into our favour because if we don't, we see a different game to the way we played Burnley, if we have to, okay, soak up a bit of pressure for a bit more, but then go up the other end, that's where we're going to really hurt them. I think, I think we'll see a lot less possession. But that said, I think with the confidence that we now have, we'll see a probably a different game to, to the other fixture we saw. So I still think we will win it. I'm not saying we won't concede because they'll be up for it, but I think we could edge it. Fair play. And for all the reasons you just said, I'm going for a 3-1 win. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to go 3-1 as well. I think the concern you mentioned <laughs> at the start shows how long you've been a Spurs fan for. <laughs> just what Joe <laughs> Well, I'm going to keep up the um, 
the rhetoric of clean sheets, and despite what I've just said, uh, just to be a bit different to you two. So, um, yeah, let's go 2 0 with like, two little breakaway goals. Uh, lovely job. Um, we've also got Palace on Sunday. Palace are a funny team, aren't they? They seem to sort of who can race to 40 points the quickest and then just give up. I mean, I love Roy Hodgson, like you know, as a professional, I think he's yeah, he's a fantastic, he's a he's a real. He's like Gandalf, you know. He's, you know, you're always going to look at him for pearls of wisdom and, and magic, but ultimately, you know, he's still just a very, very old man, uh, and you wonder <laughs> when he's just going to sit in the woods and take it easy after a very long career. They seem to be one of the teams that I've actively avoided watching this year because they've just got the capacity to be absolutely awful, haven't they? Even though they can yeah. cause damage to any team with. Uh, Benteke up front and that Mateta brought in is another big lump isn't he with a bit mm. of a uh, bit of pace as well so they're definitely that's what worries me is the strength and the physicality they've got up front because that's where our certain backs have kind of done most recently is in the one-to-one battles so if we can have more of the ball if we can have them pushed back and have their centre backs uh, centre forward sorry starting deeper then we should be we should have a fairly decent control and we should we should run out comfortable winners. I would back us. I think we're gonna break that hoodoo. I think we might get two back to back Premier League wins, which would feel fucking fantastic. Um so I'm gonna back us for two one and I think Vinicius will have a key role to play there. Uh, oh, against a, against a packed against a packed defence like that, I think uh, it might be a late winner. Let's I don't see. know if you're a better man, but that's got to be worth a fire yeah. person, <laughs> worth a score or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think we'll win. They they've they fluked it against Brighton, didn't they? I feel sorry for Brighton. It's actually comical. Brighton's <laughs> inability to score. They play far better than the scorelines uh, ever show. Let's go with another two 0 win. Keep up the clean sheets. Oy, oy. I think it will be rampant again, and I'm thinking at least three. So I'm gonna say three 0 oh. Ash, huge. Uh, <laughs> well, one so- of us has got to be there, isn't it? We can't all be. <laughs> Boring and negative. <laughs> how how far back on our podcast would we have to go for the last time all three of us predicted two wins in a week in the Premiership? <laughs> yeah. I don't true. think it has been. Whenever it has happened, it's always completely by chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about our aspirations for the season? So looking beyond the Palace game, I, I know Ash, we had a question come in from Facebook about realistically, are we going to see a top four finish? Yeah, that's right. And to be fair, having a look at another table, the table again today, I think we're, what, six points off of a game in hand? So it's not outside the realms of possibility. We've seen what difference a run of good or bad form can do to a team. I don't think it's realistic. I think we should be putting our eggs into the Europa League basket. I, whenever I look at the table, I just think the seven teams who would have to drop off, I could see one or two of them dropping away. West Ham in particular, in spite of beating us, I, I don't think they'll finish fourth. Mm. But we'd have to rely on basically the other six all having a bit of a shocker, which I think is unlikely. So, and, and as I know, I think in that respect, this is the tactical moment of the season where we go, OK, Europa League, it's two-legged, it plays into Jose's strengths. Let's, let's go for it and let's be excited about that. I think it'd be a lot of fun and it'd be a lovely way to both sneak back into Champions League revenue, which would, we could really do with, um, yes. but, but also banish that, that trophy hoodoo. Yeah, absolutely. I do see West Ham dropping off. They've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. Um, 
as City have already shown to them. Uh, Villa, the same. You're not quite sure which Villa team will turn up nowadays. They're not quite the force they were, uh, but it's still a force to be reckoned with. Leicester are definitely dropping off. The old Brendan Rodgers burnout seems to be happening. But can you see the likes of, obviously City are unreachable, but United, Chelsea, Liverpool would then be the chasing pack. Can you see them dropping points? Not realistically. Uh, which means the top four is full. And I don't think we can penetrate that. So I think fifth or sixth is where we'll probably end up. I'll take fifth. I think that would still be a fairly successful season. And if we can top that off, like you say, with a route into the Champions League with a European trophy uh, and maybe a League Cup to go with it, it's not beyond the realms of a possibility, then yeah, I'm all for it. But top four, I don't think so. That sounded a lot like Fenn on our old nights out there, saying he accepted that penetration was unlikely, so he was going to take home the five. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and on that dreary note about me, but obviously a cheery note about Tottenham Hotspur, uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much for listening.